In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. It is not a dream. The Braves are champions of the National League. This was just perfect. That was something special out there. Just the fan. The, the, that place was rocking today. World Series Baseball returns to Atlanta for the first time since 1999. This is episode 12 of the AJC Braves Report podcast presented by Kroger. The morning after edition, I'm Jay Black, joined by our AJC Braves beat reporter Gabe Burns and our columnist Michael Cunningham and Mark Bradley. And men, you were there last night. Has it sunk in yet? The Braves actually won the pennant. Mark, you first. Um, yeah, it has. Uh, I, uh, I've seen him win the pennant before, you know. I'm a pretty old guy. <laughs> but this one, what, what Brian said was, was accurate. This was, this was special. This was not just another in the series as it became, as kind of it. That's what happened in the 90s. They, they, won, they won the pennant five times. Uh, and went to the World Series five times and won once, as you probably know. But this one was just, this would have been different even if it had been in, in the 90s because it was just, you really did not see this one coming. Even on September 30th, would you have said, yeah, Braves are going to win, uh, Braves are going to the World Series? No, I wouldn't have said that. And I, I tend to be pretty optimistic about their chances. This, this was just, this was pretty good. Uh, it was a great atmosphere. Fun times. I never covered any of the big Braves series at Turner Field. Covered a lot of games there, but I think the advantage for uh, for Truist Park is that it's much more intimate, if, if, at least from the uh, the press box perspective. It seems like everything is more closed in, and um, I think the buildings in the background also give it that kind of a uh, perspective. So it was it was fun. It was like everybody's packed into this little small piece of the earth, and uh, it was very exciting. The game fans were into it. The fans showed out. Uh, I think they helped help the Braves and uh, Rosario. From that point on, after that big hit, you could just feel the anticipation building. There were some some nervous moments in the bullpen, but uh, once it was clear that the Braves were going to win, it was uh, just you know it was electric. Gabe, yeah, it's pretty crazy. If you if you think about it, you know, Mark just said he's seen them win you know, several pennants. I mean, I was born in 1993, so if you think about it, even Someone, and I, I grew up a Braves fan. I watched the team all the time, fell in love with baseball watching them. So if you think about somebody who's approaching 30, you wouldn't remember the last time this team was in the World Series, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, we were just too young then. So, I mean, it, it is just when you think about all the teams that failed to get there that they've had, and for this one to be the one uh, to succeed, I mean, that's that's pretty wild. You know, I mean, it's a great story. There's so many guys on this team who, you know, overcame a lot to, to reach this point. So for them to, to go out there and really, uh, I guess we'll dive into the series, but, I mean, they mostly just kicked the Dodgers' butt. Like, they were just better. And, you know, there's there's several reasons for that. And, yeah, there's a lot of things that play. But, uh, I mean, just a really, really impressive postseason run. And now they're getting now they're getting a Houston team that's that's just as good as the Dodgers they just faced, and we'll see what happens. It is kind of amazing how time flies, isn't it? Because 
This is a, a generational celebration for every single person that is in school right now. Everybody that's in college has never seen this before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, I'm getting close to 30, and I I have no memories of them being in it. So you're, you're talking about a pretty long time, a lot of fans who grew up watching this team and, and you know, all – Obviously, the Braves have a huge following across the South that, that just have never seen, never actually been able to watch the Braves in the World Series. So, I mean, from that aspect, it, it's it's pretty crazy to think it's finally happening. All right, a lot to dig into here, but before we do, I want to tell you that the AJC Braves Report podcast is brought to you by Kroger. Kroger is a proud sponsor of the Atlanta Braves and is bringing you scary good savings on everything you need to plan your perfect Halloween. Of course, Kroger has you covered for candy, for those trick-or-treaters, but also Kroger has savings on Halloween decor and more, providing all tricks and no treats. Visit Kroger.com slash Halloween today or go to your local Kroger store to start shopping. All right, now to Brian Snitker at the podium, and I want to start with this first. I was just hoping I could, honestly, hoping I could just hold it together because um, it was pretty, a lot comes at you. Um, after all the years and everything you go through, and now to be able to experience this, it's really something really cool. Braves fans know the story of Snit by now, four decades, most of it in the minor leagues, a true product of this organization. He never left, and after all of that, he finally gets his reward. It, it took a minute, honestly, just to, it's like, oh my God, this is really happening. You know, um, what a special feeling, though. My God, every. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's pretty cool. Gabe, you're around Snit every day for the last few years. You were on the field with him last night. What was that moment like for him? Yeah, I mean that's just really cool. I mean, you can all you can appreciate just a baseball life or somebody who's just devoted just every single day to baseball, and a lot most of that time was with players who would never make a major, right? Uh, managing in Myrtle Beach and and places like that. So to see this for him, I mean, it's just a, it's a really cool story. And you know, you have we're seeing this. I guess we've seen this now several times in in sports this year because we've got Smith in the World Series. We have uh, Dusty Baker in the World Series, who's older than Smith. We had Bruce Arians win the Super Bowl. So you had plenty of uh, lifers in their sport reach this point. And either way. Snit or Dusty is, is going to have a World Series ring after this, which is, you know, obviously pretty cool for either one of them. But you can't help but to be happy for Snit. I mean, he's a he's a true brave lifer, and for him to get this opportunity is pretty cool. And yeah, Mark, we say say a lot in our business that we can't root for teams, but you can root for people. And and Brian Snitker is a very easy guy to root for. Uh, yeah, he's he's a good man, and uh, you know, it, it, this is not somebody that. You know, until they were trying to figure out what to do after they fired Freddie Gonzalez um, back in 2016, I don't think anybody in the Braves organization really thought of Brian Snitker as being a managerial candidate for the Major League Club. And now he's going to the World Series, and he's been the manager of the year, and they've won four consecutive uh, uh, division titles, and they they may win the they may win it all this year. Who saw that one coming? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how many people in the Braves organization. Mark saw him as a managerial candidate till they won the division in 2018. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it had Coppola not been fired and with the international uh, allegations, um, there's a pretty good chance uh, Snicker wouldn't have made it to 2018. 
but uh, there was real in-house debate and uh, discussion even even in the last week of the 2017 season as to whether or not they were going to bring Snooker back. And then Coppola got fired, and they figured, well, we can't. We need some sort of stability, so we'll just go with Brian here and try to let this uh, this new guy Anthopoulos uh, get along with him. And they've gotten along pretty well. I, I think you'd have to say. And and Snooker really pushed the right button at the right time last night in the fourth inning tie game. Pitcher spot comes up. He pulls Ian Anderson. Adrianza breaks his bat with a double down the right field line setting it up for you-know-who to strike with a three-run bomb. It's amazing how locked in he is. I mean, it doesn't, I said, it doesn't matter what arm they're throwing with. I mean, he's just so locked in. I, mean, I don't know that I've ever seen a guy like that for, this has been a long, you know, a while now that what he's been doing is just, it's been something else. And here's one of those, if I had told you in February tropes now, if I had told you in February that the MVP of the NLCS would be an outfielder hitting leadoff for the Braves, it made total sense, but it is not Ronald Acuna, Mark. It is Eddie Rosario. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, nobody saw that coming. I mean, it, nobody saw that coming, you know, on September 30th. I mean, it, it's just, you know, for one thing, uh, Rosario ended up hitting leadoff for much of the series, and he wouldn't have been hitting leadoff had uh, Jorge Soler not uh, not tested positive for COVID. And remember, when so. these these playoffs started, we were discussing why Snitker pinched hit uh, Arcia for Eddie Rosario against Josh Hader in Game One of the Division Series. Yeah, we did actually. <laughs> yeah, there, there was that, that's how many things changed over six games. I don't think Snitker had any uh, inclination to pinch hit him pinch hit for uh, Rosario last night in the. No. in the bottom of the fourth with two men on against Walker Buehler. As unlikely an NLCS MVP as Mike Devereaux in 1995. Yeah, that would be, you know, that would be, you know, it was interesting. I was looking back through it today, and, and, and I, 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 much of it I remember, but Eddie Perez, another guy named Eddie, uh, was the MVP the last time they went to the World Series, and he was only playing every day. He was pretty much Greg Maddox's personal catcher. Great guy, everybody loved Eddie, good player, but he was playing behind Javi Lopez. And Javi uh, tore his ACL that summer, and uh, and the Braves moved Eddie up to the number one job, and he was the MVP against the Mets in that wild series that ended with with Andrew Jones uh, taking a four pitch walk from uh, Kenny Rogers. And and Eddie was there yesterday at at uh, Truist Park. He was serving as so Lair's uh, translator uh, in, in a pregame session, and uh, one correspondent uh, asked Eddie if he could remind us all who the, the MVP of the, of the 1999 series had been, and Eddie said, well, you know, everybody knows. And then So Lair was like looking around, and it was pretty clear So Lair did not know. And and they had they had a lot of fun with that. And, uh, and finally, uh, So Lair, I think, he was like, "Was it you?" And, and, and he's, like, "Yeah." So uh, it, it it was it was just you know that happened before the game, and then Eddie Rosario gets up, hits the game-winning three-run homer, and uh, nearly hits another one uh, in his last time at bat, another home run. I mean, it, it, you know, he's fourteen for twenty-five in the series. I mean, we we remember Carlos Beltran maybe having a having a postseason like this back in the 
you know, 15 years ago or so. But uh, this is one, we say things are for the ages. This is a postseason performance for the ages. Yeah, Gabe, you said, you said online the numbers are historic and they're hard to argue with. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, he tied the, he tied the record for most hits in a postseason series. I mean, it, it was really one of the greatest, it, it's crazy to put it like that, but it was one of the greatest postseason series performances ever by by a hitter. Um, you know, what he did with the multi-homer game, and then, you know, for him to appropriately, I guess, have the, have the game-winning homer last night, uh, the one that was the difference in the game, that is. Uh, uh, he just – he caught fire at the right time. I mean, that just kind of sums up this team. They just – you know, everything just came together when it needed to. It, it didn't come together for months. They make those trades. I mean, they go they go on the run, but you could really see it uh, during the West Coast trip um, as we got kind of into mid and late September. Um, they lost two out of three to the Giants. They bounced back to avoid the sweep. They beat Arizona three out of four. They swept San Diego, not counting the suspended game. And it did have – there was a vibe to it that things were feeling a little different. Now, nobody thought they were going to be in the World Series, but it's just it, – it's fun to see how things evolve over time. And like you just pointed out with Arcia hitting for Rosario, just how quickly things can change. And, and I mean – Congrats to Rosario because that was that was one heck of a performance to watch. And for him, you know, he had never won a postseason series coming into this season. Um, now he's an NLCS MVP, and and you know we'll see what happens in the World Series. But he's a free agent this winter, and certainly this helped his earning power. So it was just a obviously just a, a big night for him all around. Rosario's numbers: fourteen for twenty-five. 560 average, double, triple, three homers, nine RBIs, 14 hits in a series, breaks the franchise record, ties the big league record. But Gabe, I want to I want to go back to what set up that fourth inning for a minute because all that came with two outs. And what might get overlooked is Travis Darno coming back from a one-two count to work a walk. A here floats that double down the line. And Bueller had Eddie 0-2 and just could not put him away before everything went crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty clear early on that Bueller was not his best self, not the you know, they thought he would be, but the Braves were getting some really good swings on him. He wasn't really, he obviously, he, he couldn't finish Rosario there, but that's that's how baseball works. The little things add up, and when you're a World Series team, you're able to do the little things. So Darno drawing the walk, you know, Snit making the decision to pinch it there. Just everything comes together, and, I mean, that's, that's why this team's in the World Series. Rosario was a cinch to win the MVP, but those voters had to think, Twice about it for just a second after Tyler Matzik comes in in the seventh inning. Um, what mentor Matzik did today was just phenomenal. Phenomenal, especially. And Matzik's been doing it the entire series. Um, you know, I, I said I'd, be nice, I'd like to cut that MVP thing up and give him a little piece of it because that, that guy was just spectacular the, the whole series. Mark, I hate to throw this word around, and, and there's probably some recency bias here with what I'm about to say, but... Looking back at what Matzik did in that seventh inning was a legendary performance. Um, yeah. Yeah, you just said it. I got nothing to add to it. <laughs> Gabe, go ahead and add something to it. Yeah, I mean, that was that was as good as it gets in a high-leverage situation. He's done it. I mean, he's been doing it since last year for them. He's just all the stories on this team. I mean, he's he's about – he's near the top how the Braves found him, you know, what he went through and overcame. 
um, just like his team did here. I mean, he he is just he's just been phenomenal for them. He's been a huge piece of this thing, and what he did there last night, and to strike out Mookie Betts on three pitches like that, um, in that situation, that was pretty impressive. And and obviously Matt Zick, you know, I mean, he, he's pitching it. He's pitched every game but one. Uh, they're going to lean on him heavily in, in the World Series against uh, the lineup that most people consider probably the best in baseball. Mark, here's what Matzik did in that seventh thing. I went back to, to look at all the pitches. He faced three batters after he came in to try to bail out Jackson. Got three strikeouts. Only three pitches were swung at, and the only batter to even make contact was the Hall of Famer Albert Pujols, who hit a dribbler down the third base line yeah. and went foul. That was it. You know, yeah, I think at one point I looked up and he had thrown 15 pitches and 13 were strikes. Um, it was incredible. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, this this is this is all incredible stuff that they're doing here. And not to say that that the the Braves of the uh, of the 90s didn't do a lot of incredible stuff. I mean, we we might want to mention Sid Bream in there. Oh yeah. Uh, it's not exactly the same thing, but it you know it. If you think back to those days, that that that's how this felt. That's how this feels, I should say, because they were on a roll there at part part of the decade. We think about the maybe the later part, latter part of it, where they they weren't winning as often, uh, or or winning at all in those seasons. But uh, I mean, the first five or six years of that of that run in the '90s was like, you know, came back to beat the Pirates uh, in '91, came uh, back from 2-0 down. Uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning to beat the Pirates the next year on, on the Cabrera-Bream play. Um, overhauled the Giants and got to 104 wins and made, won the division on the last day in 93. Uh, just totally shut down one of the greatest hitting teams of all time in Cleveland in the World Series. And, uh, you know, up until Game 4 against the Yankees in 1996, there was no question who the team of the 90s was, and it, and it wasn't the Yankees. But Jim Lairich had something to do with that, and, and the, the legacy changed. But uh, there were still a lot of just incredible moments back in back in that era, and and now we're we're seeing them kind of on a nightly basis. It's kind of fun to see the new part, and it's also fun to remember how much fun baseball can be. Quick reminder that the AJC Braves Report podcast is just part of our wall-to-wall coverage during the postseason. And now the World Series. You can sign up for the Braves Report newsletter, which will come to your inbox every day. And also, grab the AJCE paper. We give you more than just the score with insights and analysis on the Atlanta Braves in our expanded after-the-game pages in your e-paper, which you can only get if you subscribe. I want to bring in our columnist, uh, Michael Cunningham, now uh, to join the join the conversation as we start to uh, inch ahead to the World Series. And, and, and Michael, I know you're a a three true outcomes guy and and what 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 we saw from from Tyler Matzik and AJ Minner last night was was just spectacular. Yeah, that's great and uh he needed it because one of their best guys Luke Jackson suddenly hasn't been very effective, which is uh kind of been a hallmark of this Braves team, right? Like uh, and it's what it takes in the postseason. Sometimes you're you only like I mentioned this before, you only get so many chances in the postseason. Sometimes your best guys just don't do it. You need somebody else to do it and the Braves have that stays in it. Bullpen's another area where that happens. Yeah, that's what I like to see. Strikeouts, no <laughs> balls in play, no bad luck. Gabe has the has the ratio toned down a little bit on uh, your Twitter feed in relation to Will Smith. Yeah, I mean people aren't really talking about him much anymore. Uh, you know, he was a he was a really big question mark coming into 
coming into October. I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, it felt like, you know, his shakiness would cost them at some point. It still could. Uh, but the thing is, he, he hasn't been shaky. Kudos to him for really, uh, for really getting it going when they needed him. And he closes out last night. And so, you know, you go back and 20, 30 years from now, when people are watching that clip, it's going to be Will Smith on the mound. So, I mean, good for him. And and Mark, as we as we kind of shift ahead now to the to the World Series a little bit, bit the Braves have to feel confident they've got three relievers they can turn to, but it's all lefties and Minner, Matzik, and Smith. Yeah, you know when they should feel confident because they just beat a team that won 106 games after being a team that won 95 games, and now they're going to play another team that won 95 games. I, th- I think that you know there there's no question they can beat anybody. And uh, they just did. They beat they beat the team that most people thought was the best in baseball. And um, you know they never trailed in the series. They uh, they won in six. They, did, they didn't have to sweat out a game seven. And uh, you know I, even the Dodgers afterwards last night were were congratulatory toward the Braves. I mean they, they, it was pretty clear that they knew that the the better team in this series had had won. Michael, you wrote about Freddie Freeman on AJC.com this morning and. You, you were down there on the field with everybody else in that chaos, and it appeared that a few people showed more joy than he did running around after winning the pennant. Yeah, and you can understand why, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, I don't know, I guess Mr. Braves. He's, he's the guy. He's, I wrote that he's the guy that spanned eras. You know, he, he came in when Chicken was on the way out. Good almost immediately. Became an all-star, uh, but the Braves were losing. He signed that extension, which ended up being a very good bargain for the Braves, but they – Still were losing, and now they became a contender with these young guys that came up. You could see that kind of rejuvenated him when, when the Cunions and the Albies and, and the Freeze and those guys came up. And, uh, you know, he's having a good postseason. Not as good as Rosario, <laughs> but he's having a, a, a good postseason, and uh, there was a lot of joy for him. And um, I think that's the thing that's been missed for him, right? You, you play with Chipper, Chipper played for championship teams, played for contending teams, and now – uh, Freddie has his own era like that, um, probably a little bit later than he wanted to, probably a little bit older than he wanted to when that started. But, um, you know, this is his team now, and um, now he can win a World Series. There's no way he can be let go, right? <laughs> I don't – it just it, – uh, I was talking to Gabe about this last night. Um, problem with letting a guy like that go to free agency is somebody else is going to make him an offer, and if that offer is more than what the Braves are offering, and I mean, he's thinking – why is there another team that values me more than the, than the team that I've been doing this for for so long? And I, and I was here when they were losing. Um, you know, I, you don't know how that that plays out with players from a personality standpoint, from a you know, from an emotional standpoint. But uh, whatever the, the price is, it's my estate, and the Braves are gonna have to top it. You can't let him go. He's centerpiece of what is now a World Series contending team, and it just doesn't work without him in the lineup. Changing gears a little bit, the move to Truist Park was, was roundly debated, of course, several years ago. But last night, it provided an incredible gathering place, like none we've really seen for a Braves game inside and out. Just the fan. The, the, that place is rocking today, has been the whole series, all year. I mean, like I say, Braves country is a real thing. It, it is a powerful, powerful element to our game. And those guys said those guys appreciate that. They love their fans. It, it's amazing how they came out today and supported those guys. Mark, you've seen all the big postseason games here in three different stadiums now, uh, and that atmosphere last night had to be something else. Yeah, it was. It was. You could go back to the to the very early nineties and uh, 
and the the mood in the in the ballpark against the Pirates and the Twins that first year, uh, where you know you were still having to rub your eyes to make sure you were you were seeing what you were seeing. The Braves having come from sixth place in the West to first place in the West, and and then beating the Pirates and then taking the the Twins to a Game Seven. So it, it was you know that that was just that that was the giddiest time we've ever had, and uh, I, I, I think in and will ever have uh, as, as with the Braves in the city because it was all new and it was all just you know, unprecedented. Uh, but this one's this one is way way up here on on the scale. This might be number two to, to 1991. And if they win the World Series, it, you know, you could maybe make a case that it'll be number one overall. Michael, were you able to get a sense of the people that could not get into the stadium that just came to the battery to party? <laughs> no, I was working. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather been partying, but I was working. <laughs> it, it was packed wall-to-wall out there behind the fences, and games three, four, and five of the World Series will be in Atlanta. Tickets will go on sale to the general public at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, which will probably be a very limited number. The Braves will not have home field advantage go, though, because they had the worst record of any playoff team. 88 wins is the fewest of any team to win the pennant since the 2014 Giants. But, Gabe, as we, we briefly look ahead of the World Series, and we'll dig into this a lot here on the Braves Report podcast, of course, in the next couple of days, the Braves can't be seen as some plucky underdog here. They don't have a lot of glaring holes right now. Yeah, I mean, Houston's a slight favorite. You know, I mean, the Brewers were favorites. The Dodgers were favorites. So, I mean, that doesn't really matter. Uh, right, yeah, you look at this. I mean, I, again, we, we've said this countless times, but throw out the 88 wins. That's not really an accurate depict of what this team became after the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, look up and down the, the roster. I mean, there's some guys who aren't really rolling right now, but who can still like even a guy like Adam Duvall, who can, you know, obviously change a game with a swing. And you've got Freeman, you've got Riley, you've got Ozzy. Obviously, Rosario is about the best hitter on the planet right now. So the way the bullpen has been pitching, and now you have your you have your starters lined up. They couldn't really ask for a, a better setup here instead of having to play that game seven today, obviously, and then uh, take off for Houston tomorrow morning if they won. So. Yeah, I mean, the team is the team's in good shape. They're a really complete team right now. Houston. Houston has some rotation issues, but their their offense is as good as it gets, so it should be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I mean the one thing with the Braves you'd like to see um get the bottom of that lineup going with Darno and uh and Swanson. Uh, this is the problem with Danzig, right? If he's not hitting bombs, he's not really giving you a lot offensively. Going back to three true outcomes, but in the playoffs especially Trying to hit bombs can backfire. I think you've seen that with him a lot. He's hitting a lot of, you know, weak fly balls, pop ups, um, and he's striking out. That's it. Um, so I don't know how he could change that. Um, maybe stop trying to hit bombs, but that's really not his game. So, but somehow, some way, he's got to give him something. And Darno, I'm, I'm really been surprised by because he's a guy who usually can give you a little something even if he's not hitting bombs, but that's, that's not happening for him now. I think that's what's going to help with getting Solaire in because he is a guy who will get on base, he'll take walks, you know, if he's not hitting bombs. And that's, that's important, especially at the top of the lineup. But you really, the Braves, the only thing I be a bit concerned about is bottom of that order and maybe Luke Jackson because you do need 
depth in that bullpen, as we saw in the series, especially with uh, you know not not available. And and Mark Michael just mentioned Jorge Soler. The advantage of all four of those outfielders coming in trade with the designated hitter for possibly four games, they can all play. That's correct. Um, you know, who would have? Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting just to hear you saying that. That that on July thirtieth, uh, would you have thought that? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll be talking about which one of them is going to be the designated hitter in the World Series against the Astros. Right then, they were trying to see if they could get above five hundred. I, th- I think that's the whole thread that runs through this, this season is that the team that could really didn't get anything going for four months got it all going at the end. And it, it's been something to behold. As we wrap up here, Mark, I enjoyed this question that you asked Snit last night. Do you know where you were 99 last time the Braves went to the World Series? I, yeah, Myrtle Beach. I believe we won a championship in Myrtle Beach that year. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I do know. That's, yeah. I said I can't remember what I had for breakfast most days, and I remember breakfast. Right, that's good. Uh, what were you guys all doing in 1999? We'll start with Gabe first, since he's the youngest. Um, well, I would have been like six, <laughs> so I couldn't, really I couldn't really tell you what I was doing. Um, I was not. I was not watching the Braves yet. I can, that bad, I can tell you. So that's a good question. I'm not sure. <laughs> Michael, do you know what you were doing in 1999? Uh, I was just was working at the Louisville Courier Journal, but I think I had just interviewed for a job in Wisconsin, which I eventually took. So I was a young cub reporter at the, the Courier Journal about to go up to Milwaukee. Mark? I was at game six. They, they had been a the Braves had taken a three nothing lead in the series against the Mets and then rather improbably the Mets had come back and won game four and five on game five was on the the famous um, John Olerud walk off single or whatever it was because somebody ran out of the baseline but they got the winning run and uh, and that that was also the John Rocker series where he had stirred up the Mets by bragging to the crowd that he had struck out Mike Piazza. And so the Turner Field was pretty wired uh, in a way that Turner Field was often not wired for for a game. And it was it was an unbelievable game. The Braves got up five nothing. The Mets came back. They took the lead. Uh, they had uh, they went to extra innings. The Mets scored in the tenth. The Braves scored in the bottom of the tenth, and in the bottom of the eleventh, uh, um, the Mets walked the bases loaded so Kenny Rogers could pitch to Andrew Jones, um, and Andrew Jones took balls one, two, three, and four, which uh, and that was it. Uh, they were back in the World Series, and Eddie Perez was the MVP, and Chipper Jones was. Uh, uh, the MVP of the league that season, and um, they went to the World Series, and they hosted the games one and two were at home, and they lost them both to the Yankees, and it was pretty uh, cut and dried from there on. So no, I don't remember very much about what else. I was a, I was a freshman in high school at Collins Hill up in Swanee, who is now the number oh. one football team in the state. The Georgia Bulldogs hey. are the number one football team in the nation. And the Atlanta Braves have just won the pennant. I like that. You plugged your high school. That's good. I did plug my high school. Go Eagles. And that's the only opinion you'll get from me on uh, that. But uh, but as we wrap uh, things up here, Gabe, great lead to your story on AJC.com. The season that wasn't 
turned into the October that finally was. Yeah, uh, we kind of had this team crossed off in June, or I should say July when Acuna went down. I mean, they were eight games out at one point in June. Acuna goes down in July, and you're just thinking, I know the division is mediocre, so you can't rule anything out, but you're, I mean, you're sure as hell not thinking this team's going to end up in the World Series at that point. So uh, it was pretty... It was a pretty incredible story, uh, regardless of, of how it ends. So this team went from, uh, to borrow a phrase that Dave Roberts used, dead in the water, to, to end up here and, and, and achieve this after, you know, two decades of teams that weren't able to do it. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty special story. All right, so we're going to have a ton more content on all platforms as we get ready for the World Series now. And one reminder that your subscription to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution funds our journalism, and we cannot do it without you. So thank you for that. And if you're not a subscriber, go to AJC.com slash BattleATL and sign up today. You'll get the most complete Braves coverage in Atlanta during the postseason, and you'll also get a Hank Aaron tribute book. Unlimited digital access to AJC.com and the e-paper starts at just $1 a week. Get the special offer now at AJC.com slash BattleATL. All right, Ben, well, safe travels to Houston, and we'll talk to you before Game 1 of the World Series. Thank you. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, oh, oh.